everybody. Welcome to episode 64 of Track Wrestling's Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa, joined as always by the whiz of the track wrestling rankings, David Mirkatani. Welcome back, David. Thanks for having me back, Andy. It didn't feel like much of a whiz sorting through some of these weights this week, but uh, I think we have some really good results we can talk about. There's a lot of really interesting matches and results that came out of there for sure. Well, David, lots to talk about this week. We are going to recap the multi-divisional national duels, take a swing at that. Got some big stuff coming up this week in college wrestling. The Virginia duels will be live on track wrestling Friday and Saturday. We've got some huge duels, Iowa, Oklahoma State, Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan coming up. Got some Changes, as you mentioned, some huge changes in the track wrestling rankings presented by Resolite. David, where do you want to get started this week? Want to dive right into the rankings? Yeah, maybe let's talk about the rankings and then we can get into what's coming up because, you know, obviously there's some big matches that could impact some of that stuff as well going forward. Well, David, this podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, you handle the track wrestling rankings presented by Resolite, and I'm going to hand it off to you. Take the floor with where you want to go with the big changes in this week's track wrestling rankings. But first, before we do that, we'll take a look at some of the notable changes in this week's track wrestling team rankings. We got the top 10. Some interesting stuff happening, David. Uh, Iowa, as we mentioned, made the big move last week from four, uh, or actually from eight up to four. There's those teams from about three on down to nine have been interchangeable throughout the last uh, six, seven weeks there. We're on week 10 now, uh, but but been a lot of movement there. The Hawkeyes surged up to the top of that pack. But before we get into the individual stuff, let's take a run through the top 10 in the team rankings. Number one, Ohio State, 134 projected NCAA placement and advancement points. Buckeyes are down, I think, about five points from a week ago, but still commanding lead. Penn State checking in at number two at 110 points. Iowa, as we mentioned, up to three at 66.5. North Carolina State, four at 65.5. Michigan and Missouri are tied for fifth at 61. Lehigh at seventh at 50.5 points. Oklahoma State checking in at number eight at 49.5. Arizona State at number nine at 44 and a half and Virginia Tech 10th at 40. So David, notable stuff there. Iowa and Oklahoma State have pretty much flip-flopped in the yeah. last four weeks, which which is interesting. Uh, what else jumps off the page to you? The timing of that is really interesting with them having a duel like we talked about. Uh, I think we mentioned this last week, but I don't even – calculate the team rankings anymore you guys do that so 
I'm actually interested when I get done doing the individual rankings, waiting to see them come up on the website to see what happened to the team rankings. So I knew Oklahoma State was going to take a hit after what happened in Wyoming. And even though they won the duel in NC State, they lost, I think, three matches that hurt them individually in the rankings. So, you you know, you knew those things were going to have a negative impact, and it's so tightly bunched, three through eight or so, that, you know, just a few points here or there can make a significant difference. And then I'm sure we'll talk about this when we get to 84, but we're still waiting for Downey. And if Downey comes in, I you know, I don't know where everyone's going to rank him, but he's got to be in the top eight. And, you know, that's minimum of five and a half points that's going to be added to the Iowa projected number. Yeah, we've added in Spencer Lee at 125 pounds, checking in this week at number 10. So the Hawkeyes got a a little bit of a bump there, uh, but uh, certainly not as much as they would get if Spencer hops into that top eight. And as you mentioned, Downey, potential for big points at 184 for the Hawkeyes. Uh, But, David, let's take a run through. 125 through heavyweight. I'll let you start where you want to start and take the wheel. Okay. Start at 25. I think the most important thing to understand applies obviously to all 10 weights is we added scuffle results in this week and then kind of had to weigh out, like let's say you wrestled in the scuffle and I wrestled in Midlands, weigh out performances there. So the two major changes here were Foz beat Piccinini and that led to sort of a conundrum at the top three, four, five, six positions. We went Cruz, then Lezak, then Foz, and Piccinini. Logic being Cruz has only lost in the All-Star meet and is the defending champ. Lezak only has one loss and is the defending runner-up. Foz beat Piccinini head-to-head and only has one loss, and Piccinini obviously is on the, the tail end of that. Spencer Lee slotted in pretty easily, considering he teched Sean Russell and lost to Ronnie Bresser, so he fell right in there. Drew Matten dropped a few spots from last week for losing in the dual meet, and Zeke Moisey moved up a few spots, and then Corbin uh, Mink and Anthony, did, I'm going to say his name wrong, the kid from Air Force, DeCasari, I think, uh, both placed fourth and fifth at Scuffle, so that brought them in. So, you know, I haven't talked to you about these individual ones, Andy. What do you think about Cruz, Lezak, Foz, Piccinini? Does that logic or does that order make sense to you, or do you think there's – Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about Cruz, a returning national champion, who officially does not have a loss yet this season. Uh, but uh, we have him uh, at three. Uh, behind Suriano, uh, Suriano had the head-to-head win against him last year, uh, but certainly, I think three is the right spot for Cruz uh, with with his undefeated record. We we factor in the All-Star matches. Uh, it's not counted by everyone else. Uh, some people may, some people may not. Uh, but but certainly, when it comes time to NCAA seeding time, that's not going to count against him. So. Uh, Daring Cruz at three feels like the right spot. Lezak, uh, you know, has, has had a pretty good year. Looked really impressive down at South Beach Duels. I think four is the right spot for him. And then certainly with uh, last week's results factored in, uh, Fawz and Piccinini, I think you got it in the right order, David. Thank you. I should say this. This week probably had more 
turmoil or discussion points at the top in more weight classes than any of the weeks all year. So 133, perfect example. We'll just talk about some of the results that happened. Uh, Jack Mueller won the scuffle. Austin DeSanto made the semis, defaulted out to sixth. Rico Montoya took fourth there. And then Montori Bridges, uh, you know, had beaten Cade Brock the week before. But uh, Scotty Parker DMP'd at the scuffle and lost to Montoya and lost to Jimenez. So at the top, this is how we did it. Seth Gross is killing everybody. He's one. Luke Pletcher is undefeated. He's two. Jack Mueller is a returning All-American and only has one loss. He's three. This got really tricky. John Ernesty, we put it four. He's undefeated except a loss to Mueller. Montori Bridges is five. This is really tough. He has wins over Brock and Tarrow. And he's like 21 and three. And he had this two of the same three losses that Cade Brock had, and he's got a head-to-head over him. Scotty Parker comes in at sixth because he beat Cade Brock in the du- in the match at uh, Journeyman, in their dual meet there. I don't know if it was a dual meet. I apologize. Just in at Journeyman. And then Josh Terrell is eighth. He just got majored over the weekend by Montori Bridges. DeSanto uh, falls a spot to nine basically just because Bridges jumped in above all those guys. And then Zach Sherman moved up a little bit. He beat Mitch McKee. And all the rest of the – Corey Keener dropped. He DNP'd at Scuffle. But uh, most of the movement there – and I don't mean this in any way disrespectfully, but if you're 17 or 21, it's literally the same team points. And literally if you're 9 or 25, it's one point team point-wise. So – what do you think about how we sorted out the top nine, or I guess maybe three through nine at 133, Andy? Well, it was one of the most interesting things to me in, in seeing this when you, you put it all together. I thought it was uh, a little bit strange seeing Scott Parker and Cade Brock at six and seven, but uh, I certainly uh, understand why you did it. Um, so I think I think when you, when you unpack everything here and, and you sort it out the way that you did – uh, you know, I think, I think it makes sense to me. It, uh, you know, and one of the things that, that I think is worth mentioning here, David, and looking at some of these guys and where we have them, Parker six, Brock seven, Michich 10, uh, th- those are worth noting. It, it isn't necessarily where we think they're going to finish. It's, it's <laughs> what they not. have, yeah. what they have done to this point in their body of work. Uh, for this season with, with a little bit of last year obviously taken in into account in terms of starting points. Uh, but, but it's certainly based off what their body of work is for the 2017-18 season. Uh, that's, that's primarily what you're looking at. And I think that, uh, where you're at with it, uh, although, although it, uh, may have looked a little strange to me when I opened the document for the first time. I understand how you got here. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. And people do need to understand this, that we're trying to do rankings. We're not trying to do predictions or projections. 
and and that may sound somewhat counterintuitive. You, like if we had a Pat Downey in the top eight, if he's one and zero, you know, if he beats Keegan Moore or something like that. But like you said, it's probably about anywhere from seventy to eighty percent this year, and then maybe twenty to thirty percent last year. And so that's why Montori Bridges, it took him so long to get to where he is because he had no body of work coming in. He's got to really earn his way in. And the perfect example of that last year is Penn State, where we knew they were going to have three guys that were going to be ranked really high in the preseason with Zane, Nolf, and Nickel. And then they had a bunch of guys that we couldn't rank just because they hadn't wrestled in college. You know, guys like Vincenzo, guys like Mark Hall, uh, guys like uh, Nevels. I mean, you know, just to name a few. So these guys have to work their way in. But right now, if they held the Big 12 tournament at this weight, Seth Gross is the one seed, Montori Bridges is the two, and Cade Brock is the three. And what's interesting about that is Cade Brock really can't lose another match the rest of the season inside the Big 12 because if he becomes the four seed and doesn't beat Seth Gross, that's going to really give him a tough seed at Nationals. He needs to you know, be in the 2-3 slot and try to avenge that loss to Bridges. I think what you're seeing with Bridges is certainly interesting, too. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, uh, you know, not a can't-miss blue-chip prospect coming out of high school. You know, Oklahoma guy, and, and Travis Johnson, who writes the D1 Insider for us, wrote about Montori uh, after the win over Cade Brock. Uh, you know, and, and, and in that, Mark Branch talked about what a confidence builder that that, that, that was for him. I mean, to you know, come out of Oklahoma and Cade Brock – has this huge resume in high school. The, the the brilliant pedigree that he did coming out of out of Oklahoma. Uh, I think what you're seeing now is Montori Bridges wrestling at a different level since he posted that victory over Cade Brock. Most definitely, and you know I talked to Ethan Kyle about that, and for sure, and that that whole duel gave those guys a lot of confidence, and they're they're wrestling well, and you know they they earned this. It's like. Like you said, when you open the document and you see that, well, I'm the one that has to justify that. I have to justify John Ernesty above Cade Brock, even though he lost to him last year. But this is the body of work this year. I mean, Cade Brock just has two really sort of puzzling losses. I mean, he, I mean, you know, if you take away two six-point moves, which is easy to say, like if you take away all my mistakes in life, I'd be perfect. But, I mean, if you take those away – He's probably ranked two because you have to pick between him, Gross, and Pletcher, and you go based on body of work, and it's Gross, him, Pletcher. But I think he's where he needs to be. He's where he deserves to be right now. Obviously, he's going he's gonna to wrestle Ernesty, hopefully, in the duel. And he, I mean, he still has Bridges, Ernesty, and Gross on his schedule, so he can certainly work his way back up. Well, David, let's turn the page to 141. Okay. What happened at 141 in the last week or so that uh, – I mean, obviously, we've got Jack and Heil to talk about. So two and three flip-flop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we sort of unraveled 141 or untangled 141 a week ago. And so, so that part's pretty simple, but uh, with those two, two flip-flopping, you, you opted to put Nick Lee in this week at I number nine. Let's talk about that. I did. And, you know, I'm not 
calling Penn State. I'm not asking them. I don't think they would tell me anyway. But he seems to be the most logical choice for them, especially with Cortez, you know, getting an injury. And I have no idea the severity of it. This is not – I've talked to no one at Penn State. I'm not trying to break news saying Nick Lee's coming out of red shirt. This is just where he would be. It would just be like if Dean Heil wasn't on Oklahoma State's team, then we'd probably put Gefeller right above Lee. Makes sense. So these teams are known for trying to win national titles and wrestling the best guys when they make the most sense. So that – that was the logic there. And then Jared Prince from Navy looks like he's going to go 49. So he was ranked pretty high here, and we moved him up to 49. Nick Gill has had a good season there, so he uh, slotted in at 20. Most of the rest of the movement was really just a couple spots here or there. Flipping the page to 149, David. How about 149? We had uh... – some interesting stuff happened there with uh, Heilman taking a couple losses here recently. Uh, DeLuca has the come-from-behind win against Keyshawn Hayes. Uh, you've got Deacon up at four, now Heilman five, Keyshawn Hayes six, Max Thompson seven. DeLuca makes the rise up to ten. How did we get to this point? This is another mess, right? I mean, Grant Leith is at 15, and I don't know that that's right. He, he could be higher, but he's lost to Boo, uh, which, you know, is a loss that kind of holds him there, especially after Boo lost to Bo Donahue. So, I mean, it looks like Boo's their starter. So now that becomes, you know, a super compelling match for ranking purposes. DeLuca hit two power bombs to win that match. So he moves up. I mean, this is something where a couple results here in the next week could cause really rapid changes. It doesn't feel like the guys we're talking to sort of talking about, excuse me, sort of deacon through Leith. A lot of these guys could move really quickly. I could see Leith going up to five or six, depending on what happens in a week or two. And, you know, he's at 15. So because he's beaten five head to head. You know, he just has – he's lost to 14 in some other matches like that. So, I mean, he lost to Jeffries, who just fell out of our top 25. So that's the problem. I think when people – you look at rankings, like, okay, Andy beat David. You know, David beat Curly. Curly beat Larry. Larry beat Mo. Okay, it makes sense. But what happens is, you know – Mo beat you, but then lost the three guys below him. And we don't know where to, it doesn't, it always doesn't go sequentially. I mean, that's what happens, obviously, when you're trying to rank a bunch of 18 to 24-year-olds. But some of these weights are a lot more, there's a lot more room for interpretation than others. Well, let's flip it forward to 157, David. Take it away there. Really not much. Garrett Hammond came into the rankings. It was Probably the easiest weight to rank this year. Uh, you know, but he comes in the rankings. He beat a couple guys at Scuffle. So, and Jake Short uh, moved out, which probably means uh, he'll probably beat Micah Jordan this weekend in the dual meet. That would probably be par for the course for him. And then, you know, he'll come back in. How about 165? Tayshawn Campbell lost to Richie Lewis. 
So that means everybody with Marsteller, Marinelli, Rogers, Wanzek, and Lewis all slid up one. Campbell slid down from 8 to 13, so that was a four-point drop for them. And then Jonathan Schleifer got pinned by Morrissey from Purdue, really. And then Drew Daniels, had we had given him a good ranking last week because he was undefeated, and then he DNP'd at the scuffle, so he fell down to the very bottom of our rankings this week. 174. Uh, Dylan Lighty from Purdue, got him at 13. David, he just pulled off the win over Miles Amin of Michigan. Amin checks in at six. Uh, probably the back half of the top ten was, you know, at least looking at it from my vantage point, maybe the hard part for you to untangle there. Yeah, it, Zahid Hall, Jordan, Daniel Lewis all feel really solid. I mean, if you don't count the all-star meet, then Hall would be one. If you count the all-star meet, Zahid is one. Uh, Daniel Lewis feels like a very solid four. I don't think his schedule will allow him to bump into any of those three guys this year. Uh, but then you have Cutler, Amin, Lujan, Jaden Bernstein, Keaton Subject, Privish, Yuance Mejias, David Kocher, Dylan Lighty, Jacoby Smith, Ethan Ramos is an All-American from a couple of years ago, all the way down at 15. So there's a lot, like you said, to use your term, there's a lot to unpack there between 5 and 15 and a lot of sort of contradictory results where, like, Lighty's lost to Amin, but he's split with Christian Brucky. Uh, and then you got a guy like Womack, who was an All-American at 65, who just lost to Chris Farr in overtime, and he started the year sixth and is all the way down to 25th right now. Looking ahead to 184, David, uh, you know, the, the top five or so have been pretty consistent all throughout the season. But uh, Zavatsky's been a little bit all over the board uh, from six all the way down to about, I think, 13 or 14 at one point, uh, back up to six uh, now. Uh, Ricky Robertson at seven. Emery Parker at 8, Taylor Venz at 9, uh, Gravina 10, Schneider 11, Drew Foster 12, Bryce Carr 13. We're going to see some interesting matchups this weekend at the Virginia Duels. We can talk about those, but one we'll see for sure is Foster versus Carr 12-13. Uh, anything else notable at 184 you want to get into there? Just quickly, Venz lost to Parker, so he was above Zavatsky, and he drops, and um, the question was whether to leave him a Robertson had beat Parker and Parker had beat Venn, so it kind of made it easy. That was one where A, B, B, beat C made it really simple for us. Well, I'm going to let you take it over for the last two weights, David. What, what do you see at 197 and heavyweight? So 97, there's a couple things. We, I guess to work from the bottom up, there weren't really a lot of changes. Scotty Boykin dropped from 8 to 12. We put Shakur Rashid in at eight for the same reason we put Nick Lee in, for the same reason we put Bulu Wallen in the week before. Um, one thing I skipped at 49 was we put Josh Maruka back in over Surtzis because he, he started. So then we had to use his seeding criteria, and that's why Arizona State lost a few points there. This is a real mess. I mean, you can make an argument. Colin Moore's the one. Cash Wilkie's undefeated. Jared Hott was killing Miklas and got pinned. And Preston Weigel's 
undefeated but 3-0 and and beat Machiavello. And Ben Darmstead's had a really good year. So Wilkie gets the nod at two right now because he's undefeated. I actually know Cash. He wrestled in our all-star meet. Super nice kid. Like you said, he was the 33rd or 34th best guy last year and gets into the bracket and then makes the round of 12. I don't, I'm not predicting him to take second. I just don't know what other argument you can make right there. Like, you can argue Hot, but he lost to Miklas. You can argue Weigel, but that'll sort itself out Sunday. It can't be Machiavello because he just lost to Weigel. It can't be Darmstead because he lost to Matias. It can't be Miklas because he's lost three or four matches. And it can't be Shakur Rashid because he's lost some matches. So if Weigel beats Wilkie, it'll be interesting on – I don't know if Weigel will jump to – you know, if the Hot will go to two or, or Weigel will, but it'll be one of those guys. If Wilkie wins, I don't think anybody can complain about where he is. Yeah, for sure. I think uh... – you know, you laid out the reasons right there. And it's not certainly not because he's a nice kid and he wrestles in your event. That's not the reason he's right. No, too. not at he's all. Undefeated. He's undefeated. Yeah. Got, he's got a win over uh, Jacob Warner, who's got the win over Miklas. Miklas was two there for a long time. Basically, he's just done his job to this point. He's won matches. Uh, and the rest of the way, all hell's broke loose at 197 pounds after Colin Moore. Really, I mean, you, you – uh, Laid it out there. I mean, Colin Moore is the clear-cut number one. After that, and, and we've said this before, basically two on down to 20. There's been tremendous parity at this weight throughout the year. Uh, that's why you've seen a guy like Dan Shade that uh, beat Miklas when he was at two. Uh, but then also some guys behind Dan Shade have beaten Dan Shade. And so we've said it time and again, 197 is going to be wild. And there are guys that, uh, you know, are going to get hot in March. They're going to finish two through five, two through eight. Uh, that that if you wrestled the tournament a week later, they might not even finish. They might not even finish on the medal stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so agree. What we're seeing now, I, th- I think it's I think it's the most wide open weight. It's a weight we've we've mentioned in the past that if if Penn State is uh, going to close that gap between uh, where the where the Nittany Lions sit right now at 110 projected points. And where uh, Ohio State is at 134, you're going to need some things to happen. Number one, you're going to need Ohio State to come back a little bit and give back some of those points in some certain places. You're also going to have to gain some ground on bonus points, which we've seen time and again Penn State is certainly capable of. And then number three, you're going to have to step up and into that top eight and gain some ground at, at weights like 197 pounds. You know, could could they do it at 141 with Nick Lee? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but 197 to me is the most obvious place where Penn State can make make up some serious ground. And and whether they go, uh, you know, they got basically three options there, right, with with who they could go with at 197 pounds. Right. Uh, but uh, Rashid seems like he's going to be the guy. At least for the time being, and and uh, a guy that could pop up there, he could could he, you know, is that a weight that if you're an Iowa fan in the dual meet with a two versus eight matchup right now on paper uh, that you feel real comfortable about? No, because Cash Wilkie wrestles a lot of close matches. We've we've mentioned that before, even last year, uh, nobody really blew him out of the water uh, except Colin Moore, really, and so. 
you know, this is going to be one that between now and uh, those last rankings that we do after the, or prior to the, the conference tournament, it's going to be one where there's going to be a lot of movement. Agreed. Agreed to all that. And, you know, one of the things I think that Penn State has to be um, encouraged about with Rashid was not only did he win, he got a truckload of bonus points. And, you know, they've historically had bonus points where it felt like, you know, like back in the days of Ruth and uh, Taylor, it felt like they had another, like those two guys scored like three guys. You know, so they've got that capability again with their, you know, their top five guys feel almost like seven. So they just need to get, a, you know, Neville's to wrestle well and then a Nick Lee and a Rashid, and they, and they can really be in the mix to win it again for sure, obviously. Well, walk us through heavyweight, David. You mentioned Neville's. He dropped down to eight after the scuffle. Uh, Sam Stoll up to three, Tanner Hall four, Jacob Casper five, Hamida six, Butler seven, Nick Neville's eight. Yeah. What else transpired at heavyweight that's notable? Well, okay, so Stoll beat Hall the week before on a verbal penalty on sportsmanlike points, so he has to be there. Casper wins the scuffle. Boykin from NC State takes second at the scuffle and isn't their starter because McDonald wrestled in the duel against Oklahoma State. Then they placed Butler, Nevels, Hughes placed three, four, five at scuffle. So we ranked them in that order. And Nevels didn't default to Butler. They actually wrestled. Like we didn't, we didn't penalize DeSanto for taking sixth for having, quote, two losses because he didn't wrestle those matches. He lost in the semi but didn't wrestle in the other matches. So one of the things that I'm looking at and trying to figure out is who NC State's going to start at heavyweight and where we rank them because i got to think that a guy that took second at the scuffle probably deserves to be in the top 25. But what's weird is heavyweight feels a lot deeper than 97, like, like, Nick Nevels is really good. Mike Hughes is really good. Derek Wood, White is really good. Derek White is going to give Sam Stoll a really good match this weekend. If Stoll can turn it into a, you know, a push-you-out sumo kind of match, it certainly favors him. If White can wrestle him like the heavyweight did a year before from Oklahoma State and can get to legs, he can win that match. And that's, you know, that's a really – and obviously that would – shoot him up the rankings pretty dramatically if that were to happen. So you said it right at 97, like a two versus eight. Like that's a three versus 10. And I don't think if you're an Iowa fan, you can be super comfortable about that. Yeah. Anything else from the ranking standpoint? No, it was, uh, it was fun. My two buddies helped me. So shout out to uh, Scott and Mark. They really made a big difference and, chipped in about two and a half hours of their time on Sunday, so I truly appreciate them. Well, that does it for the podcast, the rankings portion of our podcast, and the track wrestling rankings are presented by Resolite, and this podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats, from Resolite's Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, as we mentioned at the top, 
We've got multi-divisional national duels wrapped up last week in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Congratulations to St. Cloud State, Augsburg, Grandview, Clackamas, and Campbellsville on their titles. Some interesting stuff, David. Uh, St. Cloud State rolls through D2. Uh, Augsburg knocked off Wartburg, ending the Wartburg streak at seven consecutive titles in D3. Grandview claimed its seven straight NAIA championship. Clackamas has reeled off five in a row now in uh, junior college and then the Campbellsville women uh, step up and win the school's first national duels title. Interesting stuff in that dual meet, uh, David, where Campbellsville was kind of up against it after uh, McHenry got out to an early lead and Lee Miracle had to bump some people around. Campbellsville just added Grace Bullen, the European uh, senior level European champion uh, for Norway. She uh, stepped in the Campbellsville lineup, scored a fall against uh, junior world medalist Alexis Porter. So that uh, going up two weights, scoring a fall against junior world medalist, quite an accomplishment there. Uh, also uh, worth noting, we're going to be coming out with our multi-divisional uh, insider here in the next couple of days. I uh, get a chance uh, to talk to uh, Grandview's uh, Nick Mitchell. I get a chance to talk to uh, uh, Clackamas coach Josh Roden. And then, uh, you know, some interesting stuff from them. Also, Todd Allen, the new coach at Williams Baptist, his first year at the school. Pretty interesting, David. Uh, they're getting ready to wrestle uh, down in Arkansas, getting ready to leave for, for the tournament in Fort Wayne. And the heat, heating and the heater in their wrestling room goes out about four days out from the tournament, 45 degrees. Todd Allen was saying that there's 45 degrees in their wrestling room. Guys are trying to make their last-minute weight cuts, uh, and it's you know certainly not ideal, but uh, they overcame and got up to Fort Wayne, made weight. Todd Allen said nobody complained about the heat going out in their wrestling room. Uh, certainly his program is on the rise down there and uh, facing a tall order trying to catch up with Grandview. It's pretty amazing what uh, Nick Mitchell and company have done there. Yeah, I had Nick on, you know, last April. He, or Yeah, last April, now we're in January. He's a really, really good guy, really smart guy, and, and they built something really special there, and he's as aw shucks as you're going to get about it. But, yeah, he's uh, they're doing great things, and, um, you know, the heat going out, it just sounds like, Every guy who's ever coached in junior college has heard stories like that. It's just how it goes. You know, like at these lower levels, you just don't have the same facilities, the same everything that you take for granted. You know, like if you watched the football game last night, like how many how many people are there to support these kids at Alabama and Georgia? And it's just, you know, and that's awesome. But at these lower levels, you just don't have that. And, you know, my dad did the laundry for years at Merrimack. I mean, he was the head coach and a full professor just – it just goes that way sometimes. So it's really, uh, it's just really interesting. And it's cool to watch those guys push through something like that and, and come out on the good side of it for sure. And uh, Clackamas, one of the matches that we posted here from the multi-divisional insider is Dylan Reel's match in the finals of the, you know, the Juco finals. Uh, Dylan Reel for Clackamas up 8-1 and the lead evaporates uh, and then 
know, as, as he built, I want to rewind first. As he built that 8-1 lead, if you go back and watch a match, David, he hit a lightning fast duck under. I don't know that I've seen too many ducks that were that fast, that slick. And uh, then the lead goes from 8-1. All of a sudden, it's 9-9 and going to OT. And you think at this point, I mean, everything's going against him, uh, showing some signs of fatigue maybe. And he comes out, hits the nastiest inside trip that you'll ever see a guy hit after blowing an, a seven-point <laughs> lead and having to go to OT. But, David, he's a guy that uh, you're familiar with. Yeah, I recruited Dylan. He's, you know, he's, he's like a lot of JUCO guys. He's taken a, a long path to get to where he is. Illinois kid, really, really tough kid and a really good Greco background. So it's good to see him wrestling, you know, wrestling for Josh and, you know, being part of a team that they're certainly a threat to win the national title. That feels like out there it's a three-horse race again with them, Iowa Central and NEO. And I was surprised Iowa Central wasn't there this year. They almost always are. So um, I haven't heard yet. I asked a couple guys, and no one's got a definitive answer and why they're not there. But last year in the finals, that lead changed like four times in the finals between those three teams. So yeah. I wouldn't expect it to be much different this year. Yep, yep. Uh, as we mentioned early in the show, too, we got the Virginia Duels on track wrestling this weekend. Um, the pairings for those just came out. I'm going to give you a rundown of those real quick, David. Great. The Hampton River Pool is going to feature Campbell, Old Dominion, Virginia Tech. The James River Pool is going to feature Virginia, Iowa State, and Arizona State. Kent State, Chattanooga, and Northern Iowa in the Pocosin River Pool, and then the York River Pool includes Lock Haven, Fresno State, Oklahoma, and Bucknell. By my count, we got 41 ranked wrestlers in the field, six at 125 pounds, seven at 149. Just taking a quick rundown. At 125, Jay Schwarm, number 12, Northern Iowa, number 14, Louis Hayes of Virginia, number 17, Christian Moody of Oklahoma, number 18, Ryan, Ryan Milhoff of Arizona State, number 23, Michael McGee of Old Dominion, and you mentioned Corbin Mink from Campbell checking in this week at 24. Uh, then... Uh, 149 pounds, number seven, Max Thompson of Northern Iowa. Number 12, Josh Maruka of Arizona State. Number 16, Solomon Chishko of Virginia Tech. Number 17, Ronnie Perry of Lock Haven. Number 22, Jared Deegan of Iowa State. Number 23, Josh Heil of Campbell. And number 25, Sam Crevis of Virginia. So some other notables. Uh, that you'll see at the Virginia Duels, number three, Jack Mueller at 133. Number 10, Josh Alber of Northern Iowa at 141. Number seven, Josh Shields of Arizona State at 157. Top-ranked 174-pounders, Zahid Valencia of Arizona State, along with number seven, Taylor Lujan of Northern Iowa. Number 11, Joanse Mejias of Oklahoma. And then... Uh, uh, Zach Zabatsky, number six at 184 of Virginia Tech. Uh, number three, Jared Haught of Virginia Tech at 197. And number four, heavyweight Tanner Hall of Arizona State. David, when you break down Virginia duels, what do you have your eye on this weekend? Again, I just look for individual matchups. You know, like I, 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 maybe that's the wrong way to look at it, but I, it's how I do it. You know, at least that's my perspective on it. So, uh, I mean – I know what those duels mean. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Pritz and 
Mike Dixon and a bunch of those guys out there, and I know they really enjoy just scrapping with each other. So I think there's something just really cool to that part of it. So, you know, I just think looking for the matchups and kind of seeing who's going to end up, you know, if there's going to be a lot of change. And, again, it's a two-day weigh-in, and I, I personally – give more validity to guys that wrestle on two-day weigh-ins, guys perform in tournament or tournament-like settings as opposed to, you know, a one-hour, you know, one-match, one-hour kind of thing. I just feel like that's a little bit different. So these these matches will have pretty heavy weighting on where guys get ranked for sure. Then going down the list of things to get to, uh, certainly not the kind of news we like to report, but uh, Connor Schramm out for the year. Same with Drew Hughes of Michigan. So tough losses uh, for those programs for Stanford to lose. Schramm at 125, and then uh, uh, Drew Hughes uh, at 174 from Michigan State. Uh, my chance to visit with Roger Chandler down in Deerfield Beach, he said that uh, they're really optimistic he'll be able to get a medical uh, for this season. So expect to see Drew Hughes back on the mat next year and then for uh, two more years after that. Uh, we talked about the big duels in the Big Ten or Big Ten schools this right. weekend, Hawkeyes and Oklahoma State, Minnesota and Ohio State, Penn State and Michigan. Where do you want to go with those, David? Well, I think – Iowa, Oklahoma State's really interesting, right? Like 25 feels like a toss-up. 33, Oklahoma State's favored. 41, Oklahoma State's favored. 49, Iowa's favored. 57, Iowa's favored. 65's a toss-up. 74, Oklahoma State's a a slight favorite. 84, we don't know. It depends who wrestles. 97's a toss-up. Heavyweight's a toss-up. So you got four legitimate toss-up matches. I mean, that duel, if it broke right for one team, could be seven to three. It feels like it'll end up being five to five, but you know, there's just a lot of matchups there. The the Michigan Penn State duel, you know, my some guys are my buddies have always we have always just tried to figure out all year who can win five matches off of Penn State. And Michigan feels like they got a chance, right? Because they're good at the first two weights where Penn State isn't. So yep. you know, they can win there. They're favored to win heavyweight. Uh, they, 97. They could win 97, right? Beasley's a returning All-American. And Profaci isn't bad at 41. They have to win all of those. And then they and I don't know where Logan Massa is. They need Logan Massa to win. They need to win six because in all likelihood they're going to give up bonus in those other weights. But they have a lineup that theoretically could do it. So that's awfully interesting as well. And then the last one is, is Minnesota-Ohio State, right? Yep. So, I mean, you know, you, you've got great matchups there, right? 25 is, you know, Lezak and Tomasello. 33, Mitch McKee and Pletcher. Uh, Tommy Thorne against McKenna. I mean, like we said, Jake Short and Micah Jordan. So, you know, Steve Blyes and uh, Keyshawn. I mean, the first – five weights there are awfully interesting for sure so i mean I, i'm not sure that dual meat wise like to me those are great duels to watch even though it feels like ohio state's probably going to win the duel because there's a lot of close matches i'd rather watch that as a fan than watch a duel where your team's going to kill us for five matches and we're going to kill you for five matches 
because I don't really root for the laundry. If you root for the laundry, that's really interesting. If you just like great one-point close matches, then, you know, the way it's going is the way I'm looking at it is, is what you prefer. So I think there'll be a lot of really competitive matches, especially the Oklahoma State-Iowa duel where there's a bunch of close matches, and if you root for the laundry, it's really interesting. Yep. Anything else, David? No, that's it. It's been uh, it was a, a, a busy week. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to my guys, Michael Johnson and Zach Cummings. They're both Merrimack guys, and they're fighting on the first UFC card here in St. Louis this weekend. So just want to publicly wish those guys luck. I'm, I'm proud of what they're doing with their lives, and um, just happy to finally be able to see them fight here at home. You're working on an interesting match chat this week and we don't want to give two away in case it doesn't come to fruition too much away in case it doesn't come to fruition but uh, it's something to keep an eye on <laughs> uh, also uh, uh, the high school insider David I'm working on that uh, we mentioned Greg Wallace and his passing um, a week ago and uh, on last week's show and, and I'm taking over for Greg and trying like crazy to, to live up to the standard that he set for us but uh, one of the things I'm writing about this week the boom of big guys at the high school level right now, and I don't know that there has ever been this level of or this many high-caliber wrestlers at 220 pounds and heavyweight as we're seeing right now. You're talking about Gable Stevenson, who could potentially go down as most decorated wrestler in American history, high school history, uh, when he's done three world titles already under his belt, a junior world champion, uh, last year at 17 years old, uh, you got him. You've got two other world champs in Colton Schultz, Daniel Kirkvliet, uh, Mason Paris, a guy that uh, was recruited to play D1 football as a linebacker. Uh, he's headed to Michigan to wrestle. Uh, Anthony Cassiope in a normal year, uh, you're talking about this guy being the number one high school heavyweight in the country. He's ranked fourth. Uh, behind Seth Nevels. You had Schultz and Nevels at the Doc B last weekend. Um, you know, normally it seems like you're looking at the high school rankings at 220 and heavyweight, David, and, and it's like, how many of these guys are actually going to show up in college math? Because how many of them are we going to lose that are going to become college defensive ends, tight ends, linebackers, linemen? Uh, but pretty cool to see this many talented big guys, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun watching these guys for years to come. Yeah, and it felt like like a lot of the big-time programs all got one, right? Like, you know, Minnesota got one, and Michigan got one, and Ohio State has one, and Missouri got one, and Oklahoma State got one, and Iowa got one. And so, you know, like, that was kind of interesting to watch that from that perspective, you know? Like, okay, these guys all divided up, and uh, I, mean, I don't know if they got on a big conference call and worked it out with each other or not, but it was certainly interesting to watch. So, um yeah, it, it's it's rare that, you know, like you look at 125 and you kind of think about Spencer Lee and Nick Siriano and Dayton Fix and all those matches. And, you know, who knows who's going to grow or not, but those are really exciting matches. You don't – there's not all these heavyweights that you normally get excited about, and that's – what you're saying is dead on point. And um, should I mention, you think, who we're going to talk – who we're going to try to get on match at this week? Well, that's not uh... – we got half go of it. there yet. We have half of it confirmed. We'll just say that. Okay. All right. <laughs> so. Well, we're working on the other half. Let's wait till we get the other half. But uh, yeah. So exciting stuff. 
Um, keep a look, keep on the lookout for Matt chat this week coming up later in the week. We'll be posting that. Uh, hopefully that it pans out. It'd be really cool. And then also the high school insider, multi-divisional insider, Travis Johnson, uh, going to be cranking out another D1 insider, uh, that will be going up on the site here in the next couple of days as well. So be on the lookout for all that stuff and also keep an eye out for the Virginia duels be some good stuff going on down in Hampton, Virginia this weekend. David Mercatani, anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, sir. I always enjoy talking to you, Andy. Likewise, and we enjoy all of you who tune in each week to weighing in. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us, and we will be back next week for another episode of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani.